Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. This week, we are talking all about bridal shows, and it's that time of year, right? January, February, I know there's a lot of bridal shows we actually just finished up one, and it was really awesome. Probably one of our most successful shows in terms of leads generated that we've done. I've been doing bridal shows now for probably, actually it's been about five years since I've been doing bridal shows. Uh, so we've done, in those five years, I would say we've done uh, probably 18 to 20 bridal shows over the course of that time. And I know a lot of people online kind of trash bridal shows and, and that kind of thing. And so there's definitely like a lot of uh, hate, I think, that goes around towards bridal shows. And in some cases, rightly so, because some bridal shows are kind of garbage, to be frank. Uh, but we've had a lot of success with them and I know a lot of other people have as well because every time when I go there's a handful of people who are there every single time right there with me I even talked to one studio owner who had been doing uh, the same exact bridal show he had done it 55 times so mind-blowing stuff um, but that all that to say a lot of people are finding a lot of success there and if you're one of those people who have never tried one out, or maybe you've just done a couple and not had a lot of success with it, I think this will be a podcast that could be really helpful to you. So uh, what we're doing this week is we've done it a couple times on the show before, but we're kind of flipping the script. So rather than being the interviewer, I am going to be the interviewee today. So today we're talking with Ben Mercedes. Ben is a friend of mine in New England who is a really incredible wedding filmmaker and also doing some other projects on the side. I was watching recently one of his cool music videos that he was producing. Uh, but Ben is in uh, sort of this transition right now where he's he's working his full-time sales job but also growing a really successful wedding film business on the side and and working towards uh, towards making that his full-time thing. And, and man, based on what I hear, that's going to happen really soon. Uh, for him. And so I'm super excited for Ben. But part of that process is continuing to learn new ways of marketing and all that. And so uh, Ben and I've chatted a lot, a lot about that online. And one of the things Ben is about to do is go do his first bridal show. So I thought it would be really helpful to have Ben on because not only is in this place of kind of trying to figure out how to do his first bridal show, but he's just a very bright uh, guy, a, a savvy business person, and so I know he's thought through a lot of the questions before he dove into this, um, and at the same time, uh, we were chatting, and this is kind of a last-minute opportunity that he's jumped on, and so uh, I think his questions will be insightful and help those of you who have always sort of been curious about bridal shows but never quite done it or you did a couple shows but they just weren't successful for you maybe I can give you some tips that will let you um, give you the courage to go try it again maybe with some new tools in your belt so without further ado Ben Mercedes thanks for coming on man glad to join you Jordan yeah well uh Ben, did I give a good enough introduction there? Do you have anything else you want to tell us about you and your studio and kind of what you're up to? Yeah, no, more than good, man. What, what do I owe you for that? <laughs> awesome. Well, Ben, uh, I'll let you take it from here. So take it where you want it. Excellent. So planning for a bridal show, and I see a lot of people on the, the wedding forums, and they're like, you know, show me your bridal setup. Um, how do you do certain things at a bridal show? How do you prepare? What's the average spend and all that? So I just thought through a handful of questions. Um, one of them is like, how do you know how legit a company is? Right? Say a bridal company 
post that they're having a bridal show and, and then you email them and they say they're expecting, you know, 200 brides and it's their, you know, fifth show or how do you kind of vet that out and see if it's worth whatever they're asking for? Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. And when I was first, so there's, there's one bridal show in town that happens three times a year. It's called, um, the Austin bridal extravaganza. And, uh, we do that one every time. So I kind of know what to expect on that one. But when I was first starting out, I didn't. And we've also tried our hand at a number of other bridal shows. And so I've had a lot of conversations with different bridal show companies. Now, sometimes it's a company that you're doing a bridal show at and other times it's a venue. Then there's a fine line there. Some people call them open houses, but uh, they're, they're kind of the same thing in a lot of ways. So, if it's a bridal show company, not just a wedding venue, I want to see their media. Uh, they're going to have some kind of a, a media sheet. So this is going to be a PDF. Hopefully it's several pages long. And it's going to give me the statistics from their previous shows. This is going to tell me a whole lot about the legitimacy of it. So if they can't provide to me this media sheet that talks about uh, you know some of the statistics of the show like how many brides are going to be there um, how far the brides are booking in advance of their wedding or you know how, how long until their wedding is coming up uh, what's the average budget of the bride who's going to be there some of these things if they can't answer some of those questions then I know I'm taking a risk it doesn't mean I'm going to say no to that show uh, because in like in your case, you talked about there's a new show coming up. Well, maybe it's worth giving it a shot. But I am going to know a whole lot about it going in advance. Going, um, I'm going to know a whole lot about it based on what I see in that media sheet and how well that's been produced, uh, but also just what those numbers look like. So that definitely helps a whole lot when it comes to, to kind of vetting the company. I would say another thing would be talk to... Ask for um, ask for a reference. You know, ask for a couple of other vendors. One of the things I like to do is to say, how many of your vendors, or what percent of the vendors who come to your show are repeat customers for you? So uh, that's one of those things that hopefully is in the media sheet. But if it's not there, that's a question that I want it, want answered because people aren't going to keep coming back and spending their hard earned money on this bridal show if it wasn't worth it. So that's going to tell me a whole lot. One thing I will say is if you're asking for those references, unless it's someone that you personally know, maybe reach outside of the videographer's references because there's still a lot of people in this industry who take the mindset of I'm your competitor and I don't want to give you that information. In other words, like if I tell you, oh yeah, it's a great bridal show well, now you're going to come and you're going to compete with me. And so there are a lot of people that unfortunately in this industry still have that mindset with this. And so maybe talk to some other vendors who are sort of in your, um, they're, they're, they're working with the same type of bride you are in terms of like budget and your preferred client and that kind of thing. So like if you have favorite venues that you like to work at, maybe talk to those venues and see how does the show go for them. Um, if you have a favorite band who, you know, works the bridal shows, talk to them. So some of those things I think are going to help answer those questions for you. You may even, if you, if your studio doesn't offer photography, you could talk to a photographer about it because they can shoot straight with you since you're not competing with them. But I would talk to some other vendors and get a feel for what they feel about the, uh, the, the bridal show, if it's good for them or not. Excellent. All good stuff. Uh, how do you go about, like, I don't know, just preparing? Uh, I know there's, you know, all kinds of stuff you can bring, canvas prints, banners, a banner for the table, the standing banner, uh, all kinds of stuff. How do you go about that, and what do you think is most effective? Yeah, that's a good question. So part of this is going to depend on the space that you have, right? So we've done bridal shows where we had a, you know, six by four foot area. Um, and then we've done, we've done a lot of 10 by 10 spaces and a lot of, uh, we recently just did a 10 by 20. And so our setup is going to be dramatically different. 
based off of that. Probably the average bridal show, if you book a single booth, is going to be a 10 by 10 booth. So you want to make sure that you make good use of that space. One thing I've seen a lot of people do is they set up their, and I've seen this with photographers and videographers both, is they set up their booth to look really pretty, but it almost looks like rooms to go came in there. You know, they got all this furniture set up. They got like a living room set or something. I'm like, what's the point of all this? You know, they're not there shopping for furniture. They're shopping for a videographer, you know, so make sure you have a nice TV to show off um, your work on. You know, I would say, you know, 50 inches or bigger, look for a big TV and they can, they can be had cheaply. You know, I was, I saw for sale the other day, a 65 inch 4k TV for like 500 bucks, you know, so TVs are getting cheap. So make sure that you have a good TV there. Even if you have to take the one out of your living room off the wall or whatever, bring a good TV to show off your work. Um, also, if you're shooting in 4K, you can go and take screen grabs and make prints from those things, right? So that's one of the things that we do a lot of. Uh, I make I make 20 by 30 prints off of uh, off of my 4K image. So I even have a number of prints from when I was shooting on a GH4 uh, that that look phenomenal at 20 by 30 on a metal print. And if you put them on a canvas, they're going to hide some of the imperfections of the fact that it's video instead of a still photograph even better. But I, I love these metal prints. Those, they just really pop. Um, so definitely the, the main thing is to show off your imagery. Um, so I would do as much of that as you can. Beyond that, I think it is nice and you can put off a, a more credible feel to it if you have a design that's really kind of pulled together and looks looks legit you know so definitely do you know look on look online look at what other people are doing in the photo and video space especially but uh i think having a having a look together that that is cohesive with your brand i think is really helpful instead of just having the plain black backdrop that's back there you know maybe throw up another curtain um, to get, you know, one of your themed colors in there. Uh, one thing that we do is we order these banners from FedEx and they actually, they do a pretty impressive job for, for the fact that it's FedEx, uh, but it's like 200 bucks and you get these pull up banners that pull up from the floor and they're really nice because you can print some, you can print some of your images on there, but uh, it's also just nice for like signage and things like that. And if you're trying to give, if you're trying to do any specials or anything like that, or if you just want to highlight a particular aspect of what you do, um, then you can kind of put that on there graphically. I think it is also helpful to have a sign with your company name on it. Make sure that if your company name isn't really explicit in what you do, for example, if you had a company that was, you know, I don't know, Bob's Pictures, right? Well, pictures to you might mean video, but to a random bride, it might mean photos, not video. So you want to be really clear. So I would make sure that that is part of the name there or or at least that there's in your, in your logo or whatever that it's very clear that you do video. Um, because what's going to happen is you're going to get to the show and they're going to have this kind of plain white... Uh, white paper banner there that's going to say your name. It's going to look very ugly and uh, there's going to be a lot of people who leave it up. And to me, it just looks very unfinished and unprofessional. And it's like, it doesn't speak, uh, it doesn't speak the message that you want to your brides that you're the type of uh, a vendor who really cares about the details. And for those of us in the, I think photo and video industry, especially brides especially ones who are wanting to pay a little bit more are going to notice those kind of details you know so the other thing is i think especially if you are especially if you're a man who's doing this i think we're sort of in general 
you know, always speaking generalities here, but we're, we're sort of drawn to like masculine looking things. I would try to shy away from that a little bit, you know, try to try to make girly things up a little bit, you know, get it, get a woman's touch on, on kind of what you're doing because we're speaking to brides primarily, you know, we'll have a few grooms who show up, but primarily we're speaking to brides and brides moms. So I think having a feminine touch to the overall design of what you're doing is really helpful. Is that answering that question for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now on that same note of uh, a woman's touch, um, who do you bring to the Brado shows? Is it just an all guy crew? Is it a mix of, you know, women and men or how does that work? Yeah. So when I was doing just my boutique brand, it would always be me and my wife. There were a few times when I was doing a show because we'd done so many and, um, my wife is working on baby number three cooking in the oven right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was a few times where my wife was not able to be at the show, um, either because she was very, very pregnant or, um, you know, nursing an infant. So, uh, in those cases, actually I talked to previous brides of mine who were just kind of huge fans of the work that we were doing and uh, asked them to come and they did. So I actually had, uh, I'm trying to remember if this happened twice, it happens once or twice. I can't remember where I invited a, a previous bride to work the booth with me. And that was excellent because, you know, I could say, you know, people were kind of like, um, people always, they, they always want a more credible voice than, than just you. You know, it's like why reviews are huge in this industry. So I had this like live in-person review standing there and she would be like raving about the work that we had done for her wedding. So that was really awesome. Um, but other than that, I always had my wife there. This last time was the first time that I didn't do the bridal show for my boutique brand. Normally I was doing two different booths and... Uh, I would just kind of mostly stay at one at my boutique brand and I would have some of my people work the other one. So this was the first time that we did only my volume brand at the bridal show. And I had myself as well as my studio manager, uh, who's a female, and two of our other female shooters. So there's a total of four of us there, uh, one, one male and three females. And I think that was really helpful one is to have to have me there as sort of the, um, you know, they could always point to me if, if they had any extra extra questions that they couldn't answer. Now, that was probably really rare that that happened. But, uh, you know, I, I do think you need to be there. You know, you need to be in your booth. But I think having other people there is not only helpful for, like, crowd control. If it's a busy show, you know, there's usually multiple people wanting to have a conversation there at the same time. So having four people all in the booth at the same time that could help answer questions was huge for us this time. And I think it's a huge part of the reason why we had more leads than we've ever had at a show. So we had, it was a two day show and we had 166 leads that we walked away with. And if it had just been me, I'm sure it would have been astronomically lower, you know, just because of the fact that, I can only have so many conversations. Um, but also I think my female employees can connect with the female brides in a way that I can't. And so I think that was really helpful as well. Excellent. Excellent. I didn't even uh, consider like having an, uh, a past bride uh, to do the show. I think that's an amazing uh, way to go about it, maybe even play their film, you know, a few times I, I, yeah, while I, people are there to say, hey, look, this is a film. Exactly, yeah. I had their film on on a loop on the bigger screen. So I actually had multiple screens going, but on the bigger screen, I had their film going. And it was cool every once in a while, uh, somebody would be watching the film, and they'd look over at her, and I'd be like, yep, that's her. <laughs> and no, she doesn't that work for awesome. me. She's just here because she's a, she's a fanatic. you know. So, and that was cool, too, because she actually was – I got lucky. She was from Dallas. I live in Austin, so it's like three-hour drive. But she just happened to be in wow. Austin for something else that weekend. And so she was like, oh, yeah, I'll stay an extra day. And anyways, that was awesome. 
That's awesome. Now, as far as um, playing the films, how do you go about uh, playing them? I mean, do you take, you know, 10 films and render them on one timeline so it's just one video file? Or do you just kind of load a flash drive up with 30 clips and does your TV automatically play through? What's the most effective way rather than having to look up every 10 seconds and is it playing, is it not playing? Yeah, so we've done it a number of different ways in the past. One year I did a reel. Um, so I created a separate reel that was just for the bridal show and it was like 10 minutes long and it was probably like a collection of maybe 12 different weddings I had done. And we just played that on a loop. So I plugged in my, um, my MacBook Pro into the TV, just HDMI. And I opened up QuickTime Player and just put it full screen and clicked loop. So it will, as soon as it ends, it starts over again. Um, and then other than that, we've just chosen like a couple of our favorite films. Um, and had one on one TV and one on the other TV, or this time we had one on a big TV and one on an iMac, uh, because we were also trying to sell photography for our volume brand. So we had a lot of photography stuff going on as well, but we were showing two videos at the same time. But yeah, that was how we did it is just, um, had a, had a laptop plugged into the bigger TV playing one of the videos on a loop through QuickTime. Nice. And what do you think about like a free giveaway, uh, maybe an engagement shoot or, I don't know, chocolate, Hershey Kisses as well, just to have, because people like to grab stuff as they walk by, small stuff like that. What do you think? Yeah, we've experimented with all of the above. Uh, We've even experimented like one year I did a drawing for a Amazon Echo, you know, so we've experimented with all kinds of stuff. There you go. Um, In my experience... None of that works. <laughs> um, you know, basically the goal was right to to book clients, like to actually sign a contract at the show. And you know, maybe it's maybe it's wrong to say that none of it never worked because um, you know we did book contracts. So who's to say that that wasn't a tipping point for anybody? But um, in general, I would say that it's not really all that effective. Now, I mean, if you if you want to give away chocolate, fine. I don't think it's going to bring anybody into your booth just for that. No, maybe it will. You know, maybe somebody's really got a really got a hard craving for some Sweet delicious tooth. chocolate. Um, right. But right. likely now, likely you're going to be having a conversation with someone who's not really paying much attention. They're just kind of there for the chocolate. <laughs> now. The giveaways of things like an engagement shoot or something, especially if you're offering photography, I think that if you're just trying to get started in all this, if you're if you're getting a business started for the first time, like sometimes you just gotta try to pull things like that, you know, to to get some clients in the door. And if you're willing to spend your time on something like that, um, you know. It's, it's worth trying, I think. Uh, we've basically made the decision, and uh, I, I haven't always been at this place, for sure. We've, we've done a number of times throughout my career. We've had different sales or discounts that we did and things like that, especially at bridal shows. And um, I think last year for our boutique, uh, sorry, for our volume brand, was the first time that we told people, or maybe it was two years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago. We told people that this is the only time we ever do discounts. And that was true. You know, we only ever did discounts at the bridal show. But they had to actually sign the contract right there on the spot. Um, and we would, we would maybe only sign like a couple at the show. And then the rest would follow up later. Because most people just, they just weren't ready to make a commitment right there on the spot because everything's just so overwhelming. I have had shows where we booked like five contracts at a show. Um, and so, you know, maybe some of those things were helpful, but I've gotten to a place now where we were just not desperate for that work. You know, I mean, we did 150 weddings last year and so we're not looking 
to give people discounts because our schedule is going to fill up. You know, somebody else is going to pay full price. So why am I going to try to give somebody a discount if somebody else is going to come and take that spot and do it at full price? Absolutely. So, so at this point, we're just not doing any of that, but we have tried all of it. And I guess I, I know I already said, like, it just doesn't work, but it may have worked for a few people because, you know, we did sign more contracts at the actual show. Now, I don't know if, um, if I were to guess, I would say we're going to sign more contracts from this show than we ever had before based on just the number of leads and the quality of the conversations that we were having. I feel really confident that we're going to end up booking more brides. It's just, they didn't happen at the show. So yeah, you know, if you're in, if you're in a little bit more of a desperate situation, then maybe try it. Um, if you're, if you're more established, I would say don't mess with it. No need. Right. Now, as far as um, signing contracts on the spot, do you have like a printout with your pricing um, or is that just kind of in the laptop? And if they, they want more, you kind of show it to them or how does that work? Yeah. So we have a, we have a printout. Um, it's a front and back front side is photo back side is video and it has all the pricing there. I think one of the things that people expect at the bridal shows is that they're going to be able to see all of your pricing. I would say probably like most people on their website are not giving away that information. And, you know, maybe they're giving the starting at price. And this is, this is kind of a dance I walk with my two brands with my boutique brand. I give a starting at price just to sort of qualify brides and, um, so that I don't get brides who want to spend less than $5,000 on their film, uh, email me and then it just wastes both of our time. But for, um, for my boutique, uh, my volume brand, we put everything online. So every little detail of our pricing is online. Um, but at the bridal show, I think regardless of what decision you've made there on your website, I think you really need to give them all the pricing right there. They're really expecting that. And I think um, it'll, it's a frustrating process for them if, if they don't get that. So I would definitely give that to them. We try to actually give them a handout that they walk away with. Um, it's it's a, a square. I think it's like a five by five sheet of paper that we give them um, that has all the pricing there. So, yes, they're going to walk away with that. But in terms of contracts, we also have paper contracts there that if someone decides they want to sign, they can fill out the form there and actually sign the contract. In fact, one of the shows that the show that we do most often, they actually have a competition basically where if you sign a contract, you go over to the like main headquarters show them that you sign the contract, that you pay the deposit and you get entered into a contest for them to pay up to $2,000 of your contract for you. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. It's like a little bit of an extra incentive for brides to actually sign contracts at the show. Absolutely. That's awesome. Is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films? Do you feel disorganized? What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again and have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford forty dollars or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you. Before I got 17 hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leaves go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized for my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 hats, just $300 a year, and they do all of that for me. 
It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. As far as getting the info, so you're handing uh, pricing to anyone who pretty much asked for it. Um, what about, I guess, collecting the information? Are you guys doing that strictly on paper, or on apps, uh, MailChimp app, or iPad? How does that work out? Yeah, so in the past, we have done, we've, we've tried a bunch of different stuff with that, actually. There's been several times in the past where we just had our iPhones and the Notes app open, and we were just uh, we were just jotting it down, you know, hey, spell your name for me again you know when's the wedding date what's your phone number what's your email whatever info we wanted those are the four things we asked for um but uh, we've we've done that we've done paper which paper is paper's great because it's easy but sometimes it's hard to read handwriting and you know if you can't read their handwriting you lost that lead and so that's a struggle Recently, the bridal show that we did the last two times had a really cool app, and it only works if the bridal show like supports this app because basically they have to like tell all the brides, "Hey, download this app." But it's called Bride Scan, and it's a really awesome app. They actually they give us these little QR codes that we print out and hang around our neck, and a bride can just come up and scan that QR code, and when they do that, it gives the bride. Uh, our information and it gives us her information so it's cool because she gets to save like her favorite vendors she scans the code and she has a list of all of her favorite vendors and then of course we get her info as well so we can follow up that next week so yeah we tried a little bit of everything um i've also i've seen other people who have had like computers out or like a computer or an ipad sitting there and they let people type in um you know, whether it's like to a Google form or, you know, just a Word document or something. If you're going to do that, I would recommend doing a Google form and having a hotspot there to make sure that the Wi-Fi is working well. Um, because likely the Wi-Fi at the venue is probably not going to be great. So make sure that you got a hotspot there and do a Google form just because it looks so much cleaner. And there's no possibility of like the bride doing something to screw up and having you lose all the other leads. You know, if you just had like a word document open, who's to say the bride's not going to come along and actually close it out and you lose all that info. So Google forms work great for that. Um, I guess you could also try MailChimp or something like that, but I've never tried that. Yeah. I think MailChimp has uh, their main app and then I think they have a secondary app or a function in there where, uh, even if you're offline, you can collect the data, and as soon as your iPad or phone gets service, um, all the data kind of uploads. Perfect. So, yeah, definitely try offline. that out too. But, that sounds um, like a great solution. Now, I, I, I was just thinking out of the box. I mean, so you're in your booth the whole time. Maybe you leave for the restroom, come back. Do you, I don't know, take a walk around the show, see who's there, maybe try to meet some other people, hand out some business cards, and maybe try to vet some commercial business while you're there or – What do you do about that? Absolutely. Great question. Yeah. So that's one of the benefits of having other people in your booth. And I especially leaned on that this last time because I had three other people in my booth who I felt really confident in were going to, you know, A, put a good face on our brand, but also be able to competently answer any of the bride's questions. And so, yeah, I did a lot of that. And, you know, at this point, because... I'm really well established in our, in our city. A lot of it is just going up and just kind of talking to vendors. I already know from, you know, from working weddings, from being at the bridal show so many times, 
just those relationships that I have just kind of, uh, you know, catching up with people. So definitely I, I love kind of walking around and connecting with other vendors. You know, when I see, if I'll see a, a photographer sitting there in the booth talking to somebody and I'll just kind of like walk over and be like, Oh, you got to hire them. They're the best. You know, even if it's like my competitors, I'll go. do that. I'll do that with other videographers, you know, because the, the client who's sitting there, they don't know That's who awesome. I am, but I'll just go by and say, Oh, you know, Hey, hire them. They're so good. You know? Um, and you know, built a great rapport with them and you know, uh, it, it's just, I want to be, I want to be helpful. I want to be, uh, want to be friendly. I want to, yeah, just connect with all those other vendors. So, uh, definitely do a lot of that. Do a lot of collecting food. You know, there's always great barbecue. There's great cakes and all that kind of stuff. So, I definitely always want to go and sample all the the local flavor. Um, but yeah, we've we have connected with some people in order to do like um, in the past. We've connected with other venues that we wanted to work at that we hadn't worked at before to be like, hey, you know, we can make a like a little virtual tour video of your venue for you. Um, you know, no charge, just something that you can put on your website. And of course, we would brand it. And so it would be a video um, with our brand name on their website. And so, uh, you know, that has sort of mixed success. I'm not going to say like, oh, that's the best thing ever, but. Um, if you're looking for ways to get started, if you're looking for ways to get yourself out there, to get yourself known, I think it's a great way to do that. If nothing else, you're going to build a relationship with the venue manager who's going to be really appreciative of this video that they now have and who potentially might give you a referral. So, yeah, I think reaching out to, to vendors that you want to work with especially is really helpful. Nice. I've thought about that, and I've um, I, I went on to a venue's website that I really I, I love the venue. I'm I'm trying to identify. Okay, what are my favorite venues? Where do I want to shoot? And how do I go along getting on the referral list? Um, and so I go to this website and I see a competitor's uh, video, uh, ginormous on the website, and um, you can see you know it's branded as well. So maybe he charged them, maybe he didn't. Um, but I'm thinking like, all right, I could go to a venue and say I'm going to charge you X amount. When there's probably 20 other competitors who will say, hey, I'll give you this free video. It's going to be branded. And not only will you build a you know good rapport with the venue manager owner, um, but I think that'll help your social ranking as far as YouTube, Vimeo, Google search. Now, all of a sudden, when I search, you know, Aldrich Mansion or, or whatever it is, you know, Ladybird Films pops up first because you're, you're there already. So good point on that. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say is. If you want to do that and you feel like you also don't want to leave your booth, get there early. You know, if the if the show starts at noon and you've already got everything set up, you're ready to go, you don't really need to do anything else, get there at 11 o'clock anyways. And, you know, then go around and, and start talking to other vendors. Other people are going to be there too, and a lot of them are going to be setting up. And, you know, maybe you get there at at 10 30 11 o'clock and you start walking around and you see that venue that you always wanted to work at and she's struggling to try to get something set up and you can go lend her a hand and introduce yourself and i mean how much more likely is that person to be be friendly and kind to you and you know throughout the course of a relationship want to refer you if she remembers you as the first impression was I was struggling to get this thing hung up on this eight foot tall pole coat curtain. And you know, you were the one who came along and helped them. So, um, yeah, definitely get there early as an opportunity to connect with other vendors. Awesome. I like that. Um, now after the bridal show, um, how do you guys go about things? Do you just, kind of blanketly. I've talked to a few people. One said, you know, I wouldn't put them in my CRM because um, maybe it's not a hot lead. And now all of a sudden you have, you know, an extra 100, 200 leads, but a lot of them are duds and it's a lot of work to do. Uh, do you just mass email them or do all of them go in the CRM? Is there a certain CRM workflow for it? So we do put them into the CRM. Um, 
we use 17 hats as any listener of the show knows quite well. <laughs> um, but we plug them into 17 hats individually. And yes, that is a lot of work. Um, it probably takes my studio manager, um, you know, a day and a half to, to finish that project. Um, on a two day show like this, if it was a one day show, she'd finish in a day, but yes, that is a big job. Um, so I understand the hesitancy towards that at the same time. There's a lot of value in having them in our CRM versus having them in MailChimp. Now, MailChimp is, is great uh, for what it is, and we use MailChimp from time to time when we have what I call um, you know, cold leads. Cold leads to me are um, when you have some sort of service who sends you random leads. These are people who haven't had any point of contact with you, right? So... For example, most bridal shows, at the end of the show, they're going to send you a list with all the contact information from every single bride who is in attendance at that show. To me, those are cold leads. Yes, they're leads, but they don't know you from Adam, right? So we can put those into MailChimp and send them a few emails, and you know we're probably not going to get anything from it, but... Every once in a while we might, you know, and so it's, it's worth giving it a shot because that's, it's pretty easy, right? Um, it's pretty easy. Basically you can just kind of like, um, copy the CSV file, paste it into MailChimp and, you know, then you just write your email, right? So, so that's really easy. It doesn't take long at all. And so we do that, but the CRM allows us to, market to each individual bride in a smarter way. So one of the pieces of information that we get at the bridal show is the date of their wedding. So by getting the date to their wedding, we can market to that bride specifically based on when we think that bride is going to be potentially booking, right? So we had brides who were at the show who were planning a wedding for this coming April, three months away, right? I want to send that bride as much information as I can in a short period of time. So I'm going to send her one email a week for the next four or five weeks, right? We also had brides who were coming to us who were planning their December 2019 wedding. If I send that bride five emails over the next five weeks, I may have just wasted all my time and then that I'm, you know, she's going to fall off the map. So instead, if I could send her, go ahead and send her one email, you know, which is, Hey, it was great meeting you at the show. You know, we love talking with you, blah, blah, blah. If you want to talk more, you know, respond here, give us a call. Then we're going to wait, like, depending on when the the wedding is, we might wait three or four months before we send out that second email. And because we're using our CRM, it's going to automatically do that. So we create separate workflows based on the timing of the bride's wedding. So we'll have a workflow that is marketing bridal show short. This is for people who have a wedding coming up, you know, in the next uh, six to nine months. Then we're going to have one that's bridal show inquiries long. And so this is someone who's planning a wedding for 20, uh, 2019. And it's going to um, it's going to space out those emails in a more appropriate way for when that bride is likely going to be planning her photography and video. So it gives us, I think, that distinct advantage as well as the fact that we've already got all that bride's info already into the CRM so that when they respond, we have much more information about that. We know um, where we talk to that bride. You know, we know that that lead didn't come from the nod or from another vendor, but it came from our conversation at the bridal show. Um, And I think it just, it allows us to market to that bride in a much more specific kind of way. Excellent. I like that a lot. Um, and I've never actually even kind of considered that uh, automated email workflow 
contingent upon wedding date and how close or far out we are from that. So I think that's great. Um, as far as, I mean, contacting them. So, all right, it's Sunday. It's the bridal show. Monday, Tuesday, your studio manager imports all the data. And I mean, I'm assuming in the, within two to four days after the bridal show, you guys have emailed and maybe called or texted all the leads or how do you guys work through that as far as yeah, time? So we used to, we've, we've played with all kinds of follow-up, right? We've, we've done the calls, we've done the texts. Um, I just found those to be unfruitful calls and texts. Now, I'm not telling you not to try it because maybe it works better for you. Maybe you're doing something different than I am and better than I am in that way and and it works great for you. So I'm not telling you not to do that. But in my experience, it didn't it didn't work. It wasn't helpful. Um, what is helpful is is those emails. So um, I think for for most brides, that tends to be one of the preferred means of communication because you know they can do it while they're at work. You know, frankly. So, uh, yeah, one of the things, the way that our CRM, 17 Hats, works is when you plug in that lead, um, you create the workflow and you hit start and they get that email right away. So when we're done plugging in the, um, plugging in all the info, we're also done sending out those emails just by default. So, yes, that's done within four days. Yeah, we, we we had the bridal show that was Saturday and Sunday, and we finished today, which is Thursday. So four Excellent. days later. Yeah. Excellent. So within, I mean, contacting them, I mean, and I'm just thinking, you know, thinking through it, like, all right, a bride, a couple goes to a bridal show, they inquire with X amount of vendors, they're getting a billion emails as is, and then a lot of bridal shows will give... Uh, access to all of the data so then they're getting another bunch of cold emails how do you guys stand out uh amongst the mass over communication yeah so one is by getting our email out before everybody has sent that big list so it takes the bridal show usually a week before they send out the email to all the vendors giving everybody everyone's contact info so if we beat that, then we're going to beat 90, 95% of the competition in getting that email out. Because I've been told this by multiple bridal show companies, is that most companies will come here and spend all this time and money setting all this up and paying for the bridal show and all that, and they won't follow up. So just by emailing at all, I mean, we're already ahead of the competition because most of them just aren't following up which is crazy to me. You spent all this money and you don't even follow up on the email. It's wild. But um, by beating, uh, by doing it within a week, so if you do it, you know, a lot of times they'll send it maybe like by Friday. So if you if you can do it by Thursday, you're probably going to beat all those emails um, that are coming from like the people who are just sending it to the full list of every bride who is there. Um, so that's that's definitely one way. But the other way is the fact that because we're plugging into our CRM and we have already that series of, I believe it's five emails that they're going to get throughout the course of time based on, again, on their wedding date. Other vendors aren't doing that, you know. I mean, I'm sure there are some who are, but they are the exception to the rule. Um, and I think particularly other vendors in the art space, photographers and videographers, are notoriously bad at this stuff. And so, you know, if we can follow up in this way, then um, the fact that we're repetitively following up definitely makes us stand out. Absolutely. I've heard you, uh, I've heard you say that before. Uh, follow up, follow up, follow up. Uh, I've since started using 17 hats. Nice. Uh, similar workflow, follow up X amount of times uh, with emails, texts. Uh, mostly emails, and I've gotten a few where it's like, oh, you know, thanks so much for following back up, had some crazy stuff happen, or, you know, yep. just closed on a house, now we're ready to revisit this, and they actually end up booking. Um, and I know from, you know, outside of wedding sales, it's all about the follow-up, um, and that, you know, exactly. just persistence, it's persistence, usually... persistence. Um, yeah. 
it's usually like the third email before they respond back. So, you know, Absolutely. if you only sent one or two emails, you probably lost a lot of potential leads. Right. Now, what have you, you mentioned kind of the first email? What does email two, three, four, five kind of look like? Yeah, great question. So, the follow up emails are going to talk about sort of specific things that we think brides believe are important. So, each of those emails is going to sort of be topical, it's going to have um, something that our ideal clients are going to find important. It's going to, uh, you know, it might talk about the storytelling aspect of what we do, you know, um, and it may play on, on sort of the, the emotions that are wrapped up in this big decision that they're making. So we do send out five emails there. The first one is going to be that initial response of, you know, it's great meeting you at the show, all that kind of stuff. The second one is basically the question of, are you going to remember your wedding? You know, because there's still so many people that we talk to that are very on the fence about if I'm even going to hire a wedding videographer at all. And I think especially for my volume brand, that's especially kind of in a lot of ways, that's one of our clients, right? Because we're, we're a more affordable brand. And so for someone who's kind of on the fence of whether or not they're going to do this, they're probably not going to spend eight grand on Jordan March Productions, but they might spend 2000 2500 on Ladybird Studios. So um, that's that first email is, will you remember your wedding? And I think having some of these like catch your titles is sometimes helpful because um, it just maybe the open rate is a little bit higher. Um, the next one is, is your photography going to be what helps you remember your wedding? And of course, we're doing photo as well. But part of this is just around my passion for video and my belief that videos, frankly, video is just more important, honestly, for a wedding, I believe. And that's, you know, I'm not trying to get any fights here, but I believe, and I think probably most of our audience gets this, is video is more important than photography for your wedding. And the reason I think that is because I got married before I got into this business. And, you know, frankly, it's before people were doing anything that was worthwhile <laughs> on video as well. But when I got married, we had, we only had still photography. We didn't have um, a professional videographer there. And so, remembering my wedding is really difficult and we have amazing pictures. We spent a lot on a really good photographer and they did a great job of capturing those moments. But I am having, when I try to remember my wedding, I have to look at the photo and try to put myself back in that place. And I know I'm speaking to the choir here, but this is the, the type of thing that we try to communicate to, um, to our client in that email is that, Photos are great. They're artwork on your wall, but they're not, they don't help you hold on to that memory. And so that's what we, um, we try to sell on that second email. Um, in the third, uh, I guess it's actually the fourth email. Um, in the fourth one, we talk about the moments that you don't see and all those moments that we capture as a filmmaker that the bride and groom don't ever see. Uh, I've had, so many times where I've gotten an email from a client that said, you know, oh, wow, I can't believe you captured that. I didn't even know that happened. That was so cool. You know, and so being able to capture that and, and selling that aspect of it. And then also reliving the sounds of your wedding. Uh, that's another email that we send out is so much of what we do is not just capturing the visuals of what are going on, but the sounds and and. I think the, the audio that comes from a wedding is so much of what enables people to really reimmerse themselves back in that event. And so uh, that's the other email that we send out. So it's all about these moments that we think are important to the bride or are educational pieces to the bride about what we do and why we feel like we're especially qualified to do that for their wedding. So th those are the emails we send out. Um, it's, it's each kind of topical like that. So figure out what's important to you, what's important to your brides, and then make these little short, and I emphasize short, topical emails 
because basically you're just sending this out as little uh, blurbs, little basically you're just tapping that bright on the shoulder again and say, hey, don't forget about me. But you're doing it in a way that uh, speaks their language. Excellent. Excellent. I think that's really good um, for, I mean, even non-bridal show leads, right? Because a lot of people, you know, they think, okay, I got a photographer. A lot of, from my experience, a lot of brides book their photographer. They spend a bunch on the photographer. And then two months before the wedding, you know, everyone around them has convinced them that they're going to regret it if they don't go with a wedding videographer. Um, so to really communicate that, as you mentioned, in small tidbits of, you know, are you going to remember the, the sounds, the scenery, um, you know, more than just a still shot of photo. It, it, again, puts them back in that and helps them relive that memory, which is good. Yeah. And to be clear, that besides the first email, those other four emails that are there, those do get sent to every one of our leads. So it's not bridal show specific. So we send all those emails. The only one that's different is the bridal. The first one is different because it's not a, Hey, thanks for inquiring. Like it is when we get an email uh, lead, but it's a, Hey, it was great to meet you. Great. I loved hearing about your wedding, you know, whatever the case is. Um, So that's the only part that's different from a normal lead. Right. After that first email, um, you're asking them for a callback and then they call and then you, is, is it that you send out pricing through email again or how, how do you kind of work that? Yeah. So we do ask for a phone call. I, I feel like, um, most brides, if they, if they don't want to set up an in-person meeting, they at least want to have a phone call with me. So that's the goal of that first email is to get a phone call. So we do set up phone calls from there. Um, I've had, I think this week and follow up, I think there's been eight phone calls. Um, so, and each of those so far, um, have, have led to me sending out contracts and invoices to clients. So, uh, so getting that phone call is huge because without that, it's going to be really difficult for you to convert that lead into a client. So that's the goal of the first email there is to get, um, to get that that phone call. On the phone call, if I can, if they're sitting in front of a computer, because we have our pricing online, I'm going to ask them to go to our website. And so we can actually talk through the pricing there. And while I'm having that conversation and we're talking about pricing and other things that are important to them, I'm going to be paying attention to the things that they talk about that are important to them and highlighting how various aspects of things in the packages or things on the a la carte menu are going to be especially helpful to them based on things they've said in the conversation earlier. So for example, I had a phone call today with a client or a potential client and we actually did end up sending a contract to her who said one of the things most important to me about video is seeing and hearing from my, my parents and grandparents, because I know they're not always going to be with us. And so because of that, I was able to upsell her on the rehearsal dinner. So now we're not only going to shoot the wedding, but we're also going to shoot the rehearsal dinner because I told her, you know, at the wedding, uh, your parents and grandparents aren't going to be giving a speech most likely, but the rehearsal dinner, there's an opportunity for them to actually say something. So because it's so important to you to hold on to those memories of your parents and grandparents, if we only shoot the wedding day, you're only going to get some visuals of them. But if we shoot the rehearsal dinner, you're also going to get the speech in their own words of them talking about the way that they feel about you. How valuable is that? You know, and so I'm speaking the language specifically to that bride about what's important to her about her wedding day. Um, and being able to not upsell everything. I don't care. I don't need to upsell everything on our menu, but I'm going to upsell the things that are important to her as a bride. And I'm not even going to tell her things that she doesn't need. You know, we're, this particular bride was also, she wanted photo and video and she had a hundred people that were going to be at her wedding. And she was trying to figure out if she needed one or two photographers. I told her one's fine. You know, one's going to be plenty for what she needs. I even told her I, I made it 
explicitly clear so that she knows and sort of builds rapport, said, I'm not going to try to sell you something you don't need. You know, I'm not going to try to sell you another photographer, um, which is not only going to get an upcharge of me getting to collect on you hiring a second photographer, but also potentially selling more images. I'm not worried about that. I'm not going to try to sell you something you don't need. But I do think this rehearsal dinner footage really speaks to what you're talking about is so important to you. So, so I really like that phone call follow-up because I'm able to customize it specifically to what's important to them. And then at the end of the phone call, I'm going to make sure that I get them out of contract and invoice because that gives me such a huge leg up on booking. So I'll say, would it be, and I know you're maybe still having some other conversations with other people and that kind of thing. Would it be helpful to you if I went ahead and sent you a contract and an invoice based on what you're wanting? And that way, when you're having the conversations with your fiance or any other decision makers, parents or whoever, you've got that as part of your conversation. And they always say, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. And so now they've got a contract and invoice in their hands. They can sign it at a whim whenever they want to. Um, the other great thing about that is I'll tell them, because a lot of times they'll be on the fence about different add-ons that they wanted to have. So I'll say, uh, you know, I know you're sort of on the fence about whether you wanted um Let's just say, for example, you wanted whether you wanted the drone footage and you, whether you wanted the raw footage or maybe even a separate package, you know. Um, I know you said you wanted probably this lower package, but maybe this higher one. Let me go ahead and put the higher one on the invoice. And the reason for that is, is because when you're, I know you want the higher package, right? Um, but when you're having that conversation with the other decision makers, it's going to be easier for you to cut back than to add on. So if I send you the lower package that you don't really want, you're probably not going to be able to convince the other decision makers to do the higher package. But if I send you the higher one, maybe they say yes. And if not, it's easier to cut back. So it's kind of a, a pretty easy way to upsell a couple of extra things. Excellent. I like that a lot. Um, so working my full time, I, I, I pretty much would send out pricing, uh, and kind of, you know, ask to set up a call. Uh, and there would be times where, you know, I'd go to work, I'd hit the gym on my lunch break, then I'd go home and it's kind of family time. Um, and there were a few weeks sometimes where I would just have so many calls where it's like, okay, I can't go to the gym now, or it's cutting into family time. Um, how would you kind of, sort that out as far as being most efficient and effective boy that's tough and uh to be to be frank since i started all the bridal shows that i've done have been while i've been full-time in this business so i've not had to walk that balance of working for someone else and trying to follow up with emails so I can't speak from personal experience on that. Um, you know, if I would say, you know, if possible, you know, uh, just realize that you're going to, you're going to miss some of that gym time for, for a couple of weeks if you have to, um, Absolutely. or, you know, get the kids to bed and, you know, sorry, honey, but for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have to have phone calls in the evening after I get the kids in bed. You know, I don't know what age your kids are. I think you have one that's like, what, seven, eight, something like that? Three and eight. Okay. Yep, yeah, three and eight. Yeah. So yep. I don't know what bedtimes are. For me, bedtimes are around eight, eight thirty here. So, um, so most people are still comfortable with an eight thirty and nine o'clock phone call, um, sometimes even later. So, you know, if I can do this after at least the kids go bit, go to bed, that might be helpful. Um, but yeah, again, I can't speak from personal experience on that side of things, but I can from the experience of a lot of times, you know, they're working throughout the day and they want to speak in the evening. And so sometimes I do set up those phone calls, although I try to do it as little as possible. I try to schedule those phone calls between like nine and five thirty. Um, and if you extend it beyond what the normal working day is, you know, five thirty, six o'clock, that helps a lot of people out who are in that kind of spot. So. Excellent. That's pretty much all I got. 
as far as questions. Awesome. Very cool. Well, uh, if you are out there and you're thinking about doing a bridal show for the first time, I hope this has been helpful to you. Definitely, you know, feel free to follow up with an email, um, post in the comments. I'm pretty good about responding to the comments there or on the Facebook forums and that kind of thing. So definitely hit me up there. If you got any other questions, I would be thrilled to help you out. And Ben, if people want to go and check out some of the work that you're doing, where would you point them to? Uh, NewEnglandWeddingFilm.com is our main website. I'm working on a commercial site, um, dabbling between wedding films and trying to do more commercial projects. We're trying to turn that music video into like a short film uh, and kind of get more into that. So, Awesome. I love it. I love it. And I love seeing you crush it over there as a side hustle. I feel like you've gotten to the point now where like your nine to five is your side hustle. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Just uh, I think, yeah, I don't know. I probably won't be there too much longer. So yeah. looking forward to uh, going full time and, and really kind of picking it up. So yeah, for sure. Well, I won't tell your boss you said that, um, but I know huh? you're crushing it right now. And and that is most likely going to be the truth real soon for you. Um, I know it's definitely a dream of yours, and I'm excited for you, and I hope you crush these bridal shows coming up. So thanks again for coming on, and thanks for, uh, for interviewing me. Excellent job. Honored to. Thanks so much for having me, George. You bet. All right, take care, man. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.